0: For SEN America, this is the SEN NBA Podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to an emergency edition of the SEN NBA Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Sakari. And joining me in the studio tonight is at MickVal12 on Twitter, Mike Valsaris. Mike, how are you, mate?
2: Good afternoon. Got the call up or the the, the text message. Uh, Twitter was on, on fire, you guys. Oh. We were texting each other. Yeah, had to come in, we had to talk about it, and we we're going to talk about it. There's
1: no doubt. And in case you've been living under a rock over the last uh, 12 <laughs> hours, it's a Sakari Irving deal. It's officially been traded off to the Boston Celtics um, to join us. We're going to be joined by Chris De Silva first in this podcast. And we're going to get Chris Tyler, who's back in New York City on the line a little bit later in the show. But joining us first up is Chris De Silva. Chris, mate, how are you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, I said... Today is the happiest I've been since since Game 7 of uh,
1: 2016. Really? So, uh, yeah. Oh, well, we'll, get, <laughs> um, we'll get stuck right into it then. Hey, yeah. hey before we do, just really quickly, just uh, iron out the finer details. Cleveland get Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, anti Zurich, and the Brooklyn Nets 2018 first-round draft pick. The Boston Celtics get Kyrie Irving. So, yeah. Chris... Yourself, myself, we're Cleveland fans. Uh, Chris Stoss is a Boston fan, so we'll focus on the Celtics side of things a little bit later on. We'll start. We'll start with the Cleveland look at the deal. And you just said off the top there, it's the happiest you've been since <laughs> Game Seven. So uh, please explain. Yeah,
3: well, this this summer, as you know, has been ideal to say the least. I think mean, i putting it lightly, um, but. When when this Kyrie Irving news came out, um, in I think I think about a month ago was it July twenty two I think um, yep. that his trade request was put in, and given what uh, future uh, his fellow All Stars went for, like you know Jimmy Butler and Paul George, who didn't both their teams didn't really get that good of a return. The immediate thought was, oh no, Cleveland's going to get fleeced here, and then obviously next year whatever happens with LeBron, they're going to be left with pretty much nothing. Yeah. Um, and all throughout the process, what you heard from the Cleveland side was that they were looking for a deal that would all, while help them now, help them moving forward as well.
1: Um, yeah. Because
3: there's, as much as, you know, we as Cleveland fans want to ignore it, uh, the LeBron 2018 thing is real. We, we don't know what's going to happen. And the one thing that the Cavs, as a franchise, you know Dan Gilbert, as the owner, after 2012, uh, 2010, sorry, when LeBron left the first time, and Cleveland was literally left with nothing. He's pretty much pledged that he's not going to allow the franchise to be put in that position again. So
1: yeah. That, yeah, and for, I think I'll just cut in there quickly, Chris. Yeah. I think that's the for mine the biggest takeaway from a Cleveland perspective of this deal is. I mean, we spoke about it last week. We've spoken about it in the weeks prior on the podcast. We're saying, okay, Cleveland's got a decision to make here. They're either going to move Kyrie on to to better their future, to get in some young talent. I mean, guys like Josh Jackson, Jaden Tatum, uh, these were the type of names that were being thrown around. So were they going to go for a bit of those unproven players or were they going to say, hey, let's go and try and get another All-Star in return? They've done both. You <laughs> know, They've done both. They've got in the yeah. All-Star to replace Kyrie in the exact same position. Plus, they've got uh, what probably is going to be a top five draft pick in what is supposed to be a top heavy loaded draft. So, I mean, yeah. you really can't complain, can you, for the return? I mean, it is sad to see Kyrie go. He hit the shot in Game 7. He's going to hold a special place in all Cleveland fans' heart. I was crying watching his highlights earlier this afternoon. There's no doubt about it. But. <laughs> Yeah. considering the circumstance oh, I can't really see how this could be any better
3: yeah listen like we were talking you know fitting through all the trade rumours and the one that I thought was actually most likely to happen um, you know in the previous month or so was the Phoenix deal um, I thought they would eventually chuck in Josh Jackson and now given what, what happened and um, you know that. Kyrie's ended up in Boston, I think it's going to be interesting as Josh Jackson's career pans out and he's going to be compared, whether he likes it or not, to Kyrie. Mm.
0: Um,
3: Because of that that talk, sort of like the Kevin Love and Andrew Wiggins thing, even though they were actually dealt for each other, um, it's going to be a flashpoint where people are going to say, you know, say Kyrie Irving ascends his game to an MVP level, which you know, I I certainly still think he can. Um, if he does that, you know, Phoenix is going to be looking at well, you know, was Josh Jackson really worth it? Um, mm-hmm. Sort of like the Cavs do, you know, what me and you have kind of done with um, the JJ Hicks and Amari deal from you know, 2010. Yeah. It's just a, uh, a what if. Yeah, it's, a, it's it's going to be a big what if, but. Uh, for the Cavs standpoint, like this is just about as well as you, you you could have hoped for, and for the new GM Kobe Altman to do this as his first deal, um, yeah. super impressive for me. Because is, yeah, he's he's simply just hit it out the park first time around.
2: This is why I guess we. Last three, including Christmas, we love the NBA's because you think one it's going to go down one road, and then you wake up the next morning and it's gone completely. Like no one really saw uh, this Boston uh, Cavalier trade; it wasn't really talked about until it it happened. Maybe it took yep. three, four hours. We don't know. It might have taken a bit longer. But I wanted to say for Cleveland, it set you up in the long term. Yeah, it set you up for life after LeBron if he does in fact up and leave which is probably looking a little bit more likely but on the other hand even if he might stay you've got that first round pick that you could yep. then on swap it or trade it for another for another star in the league
1: bargaining power so
2: like you've got Absolutely. you've completely set yourself up it's the more I've been thinking about it over the day today this is just it's a win win but at first I thought maybe Boston had won it a little bit more, but it's a win win. I reckon you guys have done really well. I wanted to touch on Jay Crowder. I think he's yeah. really yep. an underrated asset that has come in. He's he's a he's a two way player. He's a yep. he's a he's a defensive beast. He's gonna take the opposition's best offensive threat, which will then let LeBron kind of relax a little bit on the defensive yep. end and then he can put all of his power into the offensive end. Yeah. And he's also a spot-up three-point shooter. Last season, he shot just under 40% yeah. from the three. He, yeah. he just suits LeBron. He's probably going to be LeBron's best backup yeah. that LeBron's ever had he's in gonna his 14-year pl- career.
1: He's going to be playing the role that Richard Jefferson played, and he's going to do it in the prime of his career, yeah. and a whole lot better yeah. than Richard Jefferson is. Yeah. He's, he's a massive, massive part of this deal. Yeah. a massive part of what Boston did last year. Because, like you said, it gives Cleveland the free and deep player that they desperately need Mm. and missed against Golden State in all those games that they played. Now, uh, Chris, I'll throw back to you just a little bit. So you're adding Jay Crowder in the mix. Let's just have a quick look, quick projection into next season or this upcoming season, whatever you want to refer to it at this stage. The, 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 The projected rotation or the mix of Cleveland, so in just a bit of a uh, informal positions here. bore handlers, you're looking at Isaiah Thomas, bore handlers slash guards, Isaiah Thomas, Derek Rose, Jose Calderon, Kay Fowder as well. On the wings, yep. you're kind of looking at LeBron James, Crowder, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, Richard Jefferson, Jeff Green, and then Kevin yep. Love, Tristan Thompson, Channing Frye as your bigs. So I guess the yep. question is, is it an upgrade over last year? Even if it's a, if it, is it a downgrade, but is it an upgrade versus Golden State, if that kind of makes sense? How, how do you view yeah. it? How do you view this mix of players?
3: As in, uh, as it pertains to Golden State or just in uh, general?
1: Both. We'll look, we'll look at both sides of it, yeah.
3: Yeah, so i touch on in general at first. Um, I think the Cavs are definitely deeper than last year. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned that they've almost got... Two players at kind
1: of every position. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and like it should be mentioned that guys that can almost contribute in a positive manner, not those ro- washed up thirty-five year olds mm. that we've seen in the previous years. Yeah, you know, even you look down the wings, James Crowder, Smith, Shumpet. I mean, yep. Jeff Green. We don't know what he's going to be. He hasn't shown a lot, but you know, he's shown you maybe be banking on him. No, you're not. But he's showing glimpses of stuff. I mean it yep. if you can find some consistency in his game, Channing Fry is good for a, some nice floor spacing for a five-minute patch there. The, the depth is definitely a winner for mine. Look at the backup point yep. guard position. That was a disaster last year. Bring in Derek Rose, who had a very, fairly good season last year. Calderon's yep. solid. K Fowler's a young kid who's exciting. All of a sudden, yep. there's depth there, Can isn't
2: there? Can yeah, I, I'll I mean, just butt in before. I know you're going to yeah. uh, go ahead, but... I'm now starting to look at the Cavs organization as a respectable organization, <laughs> just from this one trade. It's funny, like hasn't Kobe Altman just announced himself on the NBA landscape landscape as a true GM who who thinks for himself and doesn't really pay attention to what's going on outside? So I love it, and I've got so much respect for Cleveland now. They don't look like the basket case they did. <laughs> a month ago when Kyrie demanded the trade. It's just, it's funny how one day can change everything in the NBA.
3: Yeah, well, you speak about one move, and, I mean, Danny Ainge is probably still living off the Billy King trade. (laughs) Um, So it it literally only takes uh, one deal or one, you know, missed deal to make or break a GM. But um, I found it very interesting that you actually mentioned Kirby Oldman because I think another layer of this trade that everyone's kind of looking over is the fact that listen in 2018 there's all the LA talk about LeBron and and, you know how Los Angeles is good for his business ventures whatever the case Um, the way I look at it is it's going to be a basketball decision for LeBron it always is Um, you know it was a a basketball decision for him to go to Miami at first um, from Miami to come to Cleveland again there was the whole homecoming and romantic aspect of it but At the same time, it gave him a younger roster to kind of retool with and go again. And that's what it's going to come down to next summer again. And the team, you know, whether it's LA, whether it's Cleveland, you know, Houston, wherever, he's going to pick the place that gives him the best opportunity to contend for titles as he um, reaches the twilight of his career. And by this move, this being Kobe Altman's first move, he's kind of sending out a message to the not only to the rest of the organization and rest of the league, sorry, but to James's camp and saying, Look, this is what I can do. This is my first move. Imagine how I can set you up going forward. I can build a championship team for you. Yeah. Um and yeah. I can build it around you. And, you know, even though you've lost David Griffin, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm clueless that I don't know what I'm doing. So um and again next summer look, Look, I, I truly believe LeBron doesn't. He has no idea what he's going to do next year, and he's going to decide when he gets to next summer um, yeah. what the best situation is. And all we know is the Cavs heading into next summer. They have flexibility now. Like you said, Mike, they could you know say LeBron says, "Okay, I'm I'm going to re-up." Then you can easily flip that Brooklyn pick, yeah, um, and whoever yeah. you draft from it for uh, for another star, you know, and. And the thing with the NBA is you never know who's going to be available. You know, 12 months ago, who, who would have picked that Kyrie Irving would be available? Yep. So You never know down the line, you know, which kind of star might be available, but you always want the assets to make sure that you're in the position to add that person if they become available as the Celtics were this time. Yeah,
1: there's no doubt, Chris, uh, as well. And before we let you go, we know you're a bit short on time, so we'll let you go in just a little bit. But just going back to what we chatted about earlier, I reckon this team is probably, as it it stands right now, this Cleveland Cavalier outfit going into next year, is probably a bit better suited to to play against Golden State. I'm not sure if they'll beat them, Mikey. I'm, I'm looking at you now. I guess you, you agree with that that statement as well. I
2: think they got they got that they got a little bit closer to Golden yeah, State. I'm not yeah. saying that they're there, yeah, but they got a little bit better. And Jay Crowder gets them that Crowder, little bit, yep. uh, Crowder, sorry, yeah, gets them that little bit closer to Golden State. Yep. Isn't that what they want? Everyone's chasing Golden State, yeah, Chris. They got there a little bit. They did it. They did it today.
3: Yeah, um, for for me, like. Listen, it's, it's Golden State, at the, at the end of the day, their strategy is ahead of everyone. Um, but look, they, the Cavs look like for a large part of this summer that the gap between them and Golden State was going to widen, if anything. Mm. So I think what this move has done is, if it hasn't brought them a little bit closer, it's at least kept them the same. Um, if you look at last year in the finals, the major problem for the Cavs was the fact that their stars couldn't fit because the, the backups just weren't reliable. You know, they were 35, 36, 37 years old. Now you look at them, Derrick Rose is 28. You've got Crowder, who's, I think, the same age, about 28, or could be even younger. 27. Uh, Jeff 27. Green, Yeah, Jeff Green's 30. You've got um, Chetty Osman, who we haven't spoken about, is 22. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, you don't know how much he's going to play, but still, he, he's a, you'd rather have him than a 37-year-old. You know, yeah, um, and and that's not to say that they've supplanted all that experience. They've still got guys like Carl Corver, Training Fry, and Archie to keep the locker room even keel as well. So it's very important. It's
2: looking a lot better, uh, isn't it, Chris?
3: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. no question. Um, yeah, definite, definite home run move for Kobe. Kobe's first move.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Well, Chris, we'll let you go because we know you. you have got other matters to attend. You, of course, you you can find Chris. On Twitter, at Cdesilva23. All of his stuff is on there. Uh, We'll we'll take a quick break on the podcast. We'll be back shortly. we are chatting with Christos Tyler to chat about the Boston point of view of this deal. Yes, hello and welcome back to the SEN NBA podcast. We just chatted to Chris De Silva about the Cleveland side of things of this big Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas trade and Mikey to chat about... The Boston side of stuff, we're very fortunate today to have these people a part of the SCN NBA podcast family. Is our resident Celtics fanatic, and just NBA fanatic in general, draft analyst as well, is Chris Tyler, who's back in Brooklyn, back in New York. Chris, how are you? Uh, I'm okay.
0: I'm okay. <laughs> I'm still kind of trying to digest the trade a little bit. It kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? I was just in my bed yeah. and watching some TV, then all of a sudden, uh, it hits...
1: Yeah, I- and it was
0: it was nuts. I was, again, like this this is this is kind of what we've been missing over the last couple yeah. of months. We loved the peak NBA offseason when all these trades were going down seemingly every second hour, and then we yeah. stopped having that for a while. And now last night we got back to that period where you kind of had to be on Twitter the entire night. <laughs> I was on Twitter from pretty much when the first <laughs> report came out from Shams until. I went to bed pretty much.
1: Yeah, and it's crazy as well. We spoke about it with Chris earlier. It, it kind—I of, think, Mikey, you said it before. Boston were there in the rumors; they were floating. They were kind of on the outer, and then all of a sudden, it happened. I mean, it really did. It's just kind of like it just hit you like, whoa! I mean, you saw the initial—you saw the initial report. You're like, oh, this is interesting, but then more and more started coming out. You're like, hang on, this is happening, and it happened so quickly. A couple of hours later, both clubs have put their official press releases out, Mm. confirming it.
0: Yeah, because a few hours before it actually happened, I would have said that it was probably a 1% chance Mm. for the trade actually occurring. Before the initial report came out, I would have thought that there was no chance of it happening, because I think we spoke about this in previous podcasts, it just didn't quite make sense based on what Kyrie was looking for and what the Cavaliers were looking for in return, and the fact that it's pretty much Cleveland and Boston's conference next year. They're going to be battling against each other next year in the conference, you'd say, again, unless some other team comes from the wings and has a fantastic year. It was just, I couldn't really see them being trade partners in this, especially considering what we, what we would have had to give up and what Cleveland would have wanted. But obviously we found a way to do it. I'm not particularly happy with what we had to give up. But I know you're going to say, being a, a Cleveland fan, how good Kyrie is and all that sort of stuff, but for me... <laughs> Firstly, I know that IT is old. He's 29, going on 30. He's got the injury, uh, the hip issues, yep. which I think that they've come out and said that they were a bit concerned about. Now, of course, he has to still pass his physical before the trade can become official. But I can't imagine that being too much of a problem, but they were obviously relatively scared about the, the prospect of his hip and about the prospect of potentially having to pay him next year as well. He's only on $6 million mm. this year, but then they would have had to pay him. and you've heard what he's been saying over the past couple of years, bring out the Brinks truck. He wants to get paid next year. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but now we kind of at least relinquish the right to have to do that. But on top of giving away him, which, by the way, I'm not just devastated about because he was a good player, but he also, he's one of these guys that just bled green. He was yeah. recruiting guys for us in the off season. He has such amazing passion for the club. He has one of the biggest hearts in the entire NBA. This is a guy that you kind of just want, on your team, so I'm kind of sad to see him go from that perspective because he showed us so much loyalty. And then this kind of stuff happens. Not that I'm saying that they shouldn't have done that. I kind of like the fact that Danny Ainge has taken the Bill Belichick approach and said, "All right, well, if we can get something better back in return," which Ainge obviously thought that he's doing with um, with Kyrie Irving, especially considering that Kyrie Irving is younger and I don't know if he's even hit his peak yet. No. I kind of like the fact that he he rolled the dice, but I just probably, I I think we gave up a little bit too much, and I know I probably wouldn't have got got the deal done had we not included that Brooklyn pick, but I would have liked to have seen, and this is me being a very selfish Celtics fan who's used to winning trades, (laughs) I would have liked to have seen uh, us give up that Lakers pick next year, which is protected pick one, and then pick six through the sixty which wouldn't have been, like I said, wouldn't have been enough to get the job done. But if we could have managed to escape without giving up that book and pick, I would have been a lot more comfortable about it. Giving up Zizic is fine. I think he's going to be a good player, but we have so much young talent coming through that I don't think giving up him is overly important, especially with the way the NBA is going. I don't think his style of game will be conducive to how we will be playing over the next couple of years because – like we said on previous podcasts, Brad Stevens preaches versatility, and I don't think Zizich has that versatility. He's a great rebounder. He can block shots, but he's relatively slow at the NBA level. Can't really do too much. He doesn't really have a multifaceted game, so I don't know how his game is going to translate to the NBA. But then we also have to give up Jay Crowder as well. on One of the best contracts of the entire NBA. Still got a few years left at dirt cheap. And he's one of these guys that was arguably our best defender, and when we were playing Cleveland, he was the guy that was guarding LeBron, and I know LeBron still demolished us in the Eastern Conference Finals, (laughs) so you can say, well, he didn't really do too much anyway, but he still does help our overall defense in curbing these guys. When we play Kawhi Leonard, when we play Jimmy Butler, when we play... LeBron James, he's the guy that mans up on them. So even though we didn't get worse defensively from the point guard position, I think we got worse defensively from the forward position. So there's just a lot of little pieces that I look at and go, oh, I'm, I'm not quite comfortable enough with it just yet. So, look, it's going to be a fun year, and I could change my mind very quickly, and I hope I do. I hope I'm proved to have completely overreacted in the whole scheme uh, of, of the trade. But from what I'm feeling right now, I just it doesn't really sit too
2: comfortable with me. As I was doing my notes today and I was writing them down, I was trying to work out, you know, I was about to write, you know, Isaiah Thomas is going to be entering his 30th year on on planet Earth, whatever you want to call that. (laughs) He's actually, he's born in 1989, so he's actually only 28. So he's just turned 28. So he'll be 28 for the majority of the season. So he's not as old as I first thought. So, I mean, his best is maybe probably behind him. But well, that's not to say that that uh, Cleveland has lost out or, or Boston has lost out. I think Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving are alike for like. They average similar numbers last season. Isaiah Thomas I'd say obviously had of about-
0: Obviously, it helps that uh, I- Isaiah wasn't playing next to LeBron James. But you know, yeah. statistical purposes, I he had a better season. Well, yeah.
2: yeah, he did. But on a, from a Boston standpoint. You held on to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which I thought was very impressive. I mean, you, yeah, you the, gave up I Jay Crowder, who
0: I think really helps.
2: I, I think a, a Jay Crowder is the most underrated asset in this entire trade. I mean, the, the the pick is probably what got it over the line. But Jay, as we said, as we said earlier before you were on, Jay Crowder is going to be taking the the best team, the opposite, the best opposition's offensive threat. It's going to let LeBron concentrate on the offensive end himself, therefore not exerting as much energy. And he he's a spot up shooter. He 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 shot just under forty percent from the three point line. So, I mean,
0: which is what a lot of us Celtics fans actually forgot about because mm, I don't know if you've seen much of Celtics Twitter over the past year or so, but a lot of Celtics fans are very quick to jump on Jay Crowder and. And especially when it was rumored that he was going to be in one of these Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Kyrie Irving-type trades, Celtics fans were saying, good, get him out. We don't want him. I don't know where that comes from, but I was definitely not one of those people. I thought that Jake Crowder is a fantastic player. He is a fantastic player. On, Like I said, one of the best contracts in the entire NBA. He's a two-way player, can hit the three, can defend... The, the the best uh, oppositions for so he can play he's very versatile as well. He can play three, four, and maybe really small ball five as well, depending on, on on how you want to play. But this is a guy that I'm I'm sad to see go as well. Now, obviously, um, there there was a bit of a log jam in that forward position for the mm-hmm. Celtics, which I don't really like to talk about too much because we know that Brad Stevens isn't really adopting that traditional one, two, three, four, five. Position basketball. He's now gone to guard, wing, and big. So there's only really three positions that Brad Stevens likes to play with, and he preaches versatility. So he likes guys that can play two or three different positions, even more. So the fact that um, you know there there was a log jam to some Celtics fans, they might go, "Oh, now we've kind of released this log jam a little bit. We don't have as many forwards." But in the end, the way that Brad Stevens wanted to play, we've kind of gotten less versatile than, than we were. Now, we're still quite a versatile team. We're still one of the most versatile teams in the entire NBA, I think, but we're not as versatile as we were. So, like I said, it's going to be an interesting year. I can't really wait to see how Kyrie looks. So, this is kind of the superstar, I guess, that, that we have been looking for for a long time. It's one thing getting Al Horford, who is a great player, but you wouldn't call him a superstar. Another thing, Gordon Hayward. I don't really know if you'd call him that next-generation superstar. Kyrie Irving is a superstar, and he's still relatively young. So from that perspective, I think Ainge has got the player that he wants. But from my perspective, I would rather have held out, tried to see if Anthony Davis would have become available in the next year or two, and then if he didn't, still would have had these Brooklyn picks, well, the, the next Brooklyn pick and maybe the Lakers pick, coming through next year. Because like we mentioned on the podcast, was it last week, there are five sensational yeah. mm-hmm. talents in, in next year's draft. So we didn't have to get rid of this Brooklyn pick. We could have kept it for ourselves. And at the yeah. worst case, if we, if we couldn't find a trade for Anthony Davis, then we could have still kept it ourselves and gotten this next-generation player who would be with us, hopefully, for the next 10, 15 years.
2: But I at what point worried. do you... Still do yeah. that, but... It's just, sorry, go on. Sorry to interrupt. But at what point do you stop just stacking assets and finally, I mean, that's what everyone's well, we been calling to out for. We got a-
0: Gordon Haywood in the off-season. We got Al Horford the year before that. We're getting... Quality players, but the last two years we've got the best or second best free agent in the class. So it's not as if we're just stacking assets. We're getting these free agents who are legitimate players.
1: Yeah, and I'm just I just want to bump in there, Chris, as well because you mentioned that you're getting legit assets. Now I just wanted to look at this deal really quickly. On what does this mean for Boston season 2017 2018? Does it put them over the edge? I mean, have a quick look. At the projected rotation, the main guys, in, in, in your guard spots, you're looking at a mix of Kyrie Irving, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier. On the wings, a bit of a Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Markeith Morris, or Marcus Morris, I forgot which one it was, but one of the Morris twins, Marcus, Marcus. Marcus Morris, excuse me. The bigs, Al Horford, Aaron Baines. I mean, is this mix of players better than the team that finished first in the conference last year? I saw, Mikey, we'll get your thoughts on it first. Is it better than the team that finished first in the conference last year? Can it win more games? Can it knock Cleveland off in the potential East Finals? Can it beat Golden State? I mean, these are all questions we have to answer.
0: I think... So firstly... Oh, sorry, go, go, go Mike. I'll, I'll, go I'll be
2: quick, but I think they definitely got a little bit better. I think Kyrie, It's obviously, he hasn't hit his prime, his best ahead of him. His age is better aligned with... With Boston's core, and I think that's what's really important in this trade is that he can grow with you know if he stays beyond the two years, which we're not going to get into that right now. But he can grow with this with this Boston core, uh, core which is really important. So, can they knock off Cleveland? Probably not. I still think I think Cleveland got a little bit a little bit stronger in this as well, a, a little bit stronger than Boston, but. It's going to be exciting to see Kyrie and see what he can do. It's it's predominantly going to be his team. I mean, him and Gordon Haywood, but it's probably going to be a little bit of Kyrie's team. So let's see what he can do. This is what he wanted. He's got the chance to show us. Can he knock off his old teammate in Mm. LeBron James on opening night? we get to see it on opening night. We don't have to wait that long. So I can't wait. I don't know if I answered it, but (laughs) that's as much as I'm going to give you.
0: So can I just say, firstly, it's amazing how much of the Celtics roster has now changed making that Eastern Conference final. If you have a look at it, we've gotten rid of Isaiah Thomas, who was our starting point guard. We got rid of Avery Bradley, who was our starting two guard. We got rid of Jake Crowder, who was our starting four. We got rid of Amir Johnson, who was most of the time uh, starting at at the five or the four, depending on where Al Horford was playing. As well as getting rid of Kelly Olynyk and Gerald Green and all these different guys who contributed in the playoffs last year, so it is fascinating. And I don't know if it's good or bad. I don't. I don't know if I like the fact that Danny didn't just say, "Oh, it's sweet. We got to that number one seed, and I'm happy with that. And let's just leave this team as it is because we think it's good enough to to beat Cleveland." He obviously saw that we were still quite a fair way away from winning the East, and we were still quite a fair way from winning in the East because. We won that one game, what was it, game three, and yeah. apart from that, yeah. it was just a shellacking the entire series. Mm-hmm. So I guess it, it is good that even though we finished as the one seed, Danny didn't rest on his laurels. He actually went out and tried to make the team better. That is a big change, though, because we were... One of the things that Celtics fans prided that team on is its chemistry, the fact yeah. that everyone seemed to get along. And there was no issues in the locker room everyone played well together and then all of a sudden doing that massive overhaul and getting rid of most of these players, I don't know if that same chemistry can be uh, you know, followed this year, especially with someone like Kyrie Irving, who I don't know if he is the best locker room guy. I could be wrong, but he's certainly not as good of a presence in the locker room as someone like Isaiah Thomas. I'm relatively confident saying that. So that's going to be my first point. It's going to be hard to say how good the Celtics are going to be this year when there is so much roster turnover. Now, if you have a look, by the way, at the players that went out and then substituted the players that come in, we've probably gotten better. So I am relatively confident that we are going to be a better side. And the fact that if we play Cleveland in the finals, they're not going to have the two best players on the court, which they did last year, because whenever we play Cleveland, yeah. it was always going to be hard to win when they have LeBron and Kyrie, the two best players. I still say Kyrie was probably a better player than Isaiah Thomas, especially when he was carrying that injury in that series. They even missed the last few games. Yeah. Now that we have Kyrie Irving, it's going to be a little bit better because we will have the second best player on the court. But I still can't see us getting over the top of Cleveland when they have LeBron James. It's, I'm not going to, it's, it's kind of like the Tom Brady situation. As soon as soon I'm not, I'm not going to give up on him as soon as he starts to give me a reason why yeah. I should give up on him.
1: Yeah, exactly right. Hey, Kyrie Irving and Gordon Haywood, how will they work? How are they going to mix together? Both, I mean, I don't think Irving he still hasn't pretty hit his prime yet, but he is twenty five, so he's definitely approaching it. Haywood's twenty seven, so you would say he is in his prime for a team. Chris, I mean, you spoke about before, you spoke about it before. Excuse me, for a team that was slowly, not slowly building, but but definitely not r- rushing into big decisions and. Building that asset base and getting some young talent in. Now you look at the core Irving, Haywood, Al Horford. You look at the core and you think, yes, there's still a lot of young talent. But hang on, this is it. You know, 25 year old, 27 year old Horford. I think he's in. He's just approaching his 30s as well. Um, so this is. I don't want to say this is a year because Irving's only 20 se- Irving's 25. Haywood's 27. I don't want to say. Still a year away. You're still a year away. But 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 can it happen this year?
2: I'll just butt in but before I let you speak. You're obviously not waiting for the, the LeBron era to finish. Like now nah. is now is your turn, um or nor, Boston's turn to go for it. No are you rating
1: for the Golden State era to finish. Nah, You'll right. just jump right into the deep end, Chris. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, it seems to be that way. Obviously we go younger at the point guard position, but giving away that Brooklyn asset is mm. is pretty big. But mm. we we still have that Lakers asset, so if that does
1: no, you do, like yeah.
0: have a below-par year, we could still land a top-five pick, so I'm not going to completely give up on, on that notion. But it does seem like Ames just wants to win now, which I, I guess is good. I was relatively comfortable to wait around for another year once LeBron leaves, if he does leave, which we're all assuming that he does. I was happy for that to kind of blow over before we really have a red-hot crack at it, but Ames thinks another way. I'm not entirely comfortable with it, but hey... There's been a number of deals that Ainge has done in the past that Celtics fans haven't been happy with, and then he's been proved to be correct. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. And look, this, this could have been a reason as well why we traded down from one to get pick three and then get that Lakers asset next year, because if we knew that we were kind of interested in dealing that Brooklyn pick for a superstar, I don't know if we knew that it was Kyrie Irving at that time. I think he was being shopped around at around about the time of the... um uh, the draft, anyway. So yeah. there might have been some preliminary talks there, but that's that, that trade is maybe looking a little bit better now because we still have that 2018, hopefully uh, draft pick. Yeah. If not a, a good 2019 draft pick, so at least we still got our finger in the pie a little bit in that sense. But uh, yeah, it's it's still it's still taking me a while to, to digest uh, how it's going to look and, and how we're going to be as a team we're going to look very different to what we did last year. But yeah. and when you add in someone like Gordon Hayward and you add in someone like uh, Kyrie Irving... Yep, it's it's probably not going to be too bad. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm
1: probably overreacting. <laughs> no, all well, that's what we love. We love a bit of an overreaction. Um, I mean, like you said, team's going to look differently. You mentioned there the slew of rotational players, and not even I mean, linchpins of, of the Celtics team last year have have moved on and been mm. replaced. To me, I, I look at the depth chart and I look at the team and try and figure out where are these minutes going to be now redistributed to. And I look at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and I say, hey, these are two kids that are going to need to come in and really their minutes are going to be increased. So I guess the question to you is, Chris, I'll I'll chuck it out there to you. um, If you guys, if those two, Tatum and Brown, are playing extended minutes, how how does that work? I know in the future it'll be beneficial, but we'll 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 park the future for a minute. 2017, 2018, how does that benefit you guys this upcoming season against Cleveland? and a potentially Golden State. we will throw him in there as well.
0: Look, I think it will because, again, when you've got Tatum and Kyrie and Haywood on the floor, then you're going to have three legitimate scoring options. Yeah. Dalen Brown, not so much, but you're going to have three legitimate scoring options, which we struggled with last year. If Isaiah Thomas was off the floor, then we struggled to score. And if he was on the court, it was, the, the offense was pretty much centered around what he could do or who he could pass to. So the fact that we have another two legitimate scoring threats I think really helps. I don't know how much time... Tatum will actually, historically, Brad Stevens has been relatively stingy with the minutes that he gives rookies. We saw that last year with Jalen Brown. I think that Tatum will probably get as many minutes as we saw Jalen Brown get last year. Jalen Brown, I'm hoping to get a lot more minutes. I think this is kind of his year to prove... No, well, I guess it's not his year. He's still got a couple of years to kind of prove that. But I would like to see a substantial step forward from what he was able to deliver last year. I think he showed flashes. He was still relatively raw. Athletically, he was fantastic. But he did struggle a little bit at the rim... He was very streaky from three. He had some games where he was uh, you know, knocked down three-point shooter, but then other games where he just didn't even get near it. So I would like to see that consistency build up a little bit more. These two can definitely contribute. They're going to be uh, very important in the entire offense. And Dallas Bradley a good defender as well. I don't know how well Tatum can defend at the NBA level. We saw him defend in Summer League a lot better than I think a lot of Celtics fans were expecting, yep. what we saw at Duke. So I think there is hope there. It's going to be hard to see really where it all fits. But one thing I would like to mention as well before we move on is the fact that the Celtics now have an open roster spot.
1: Coming mm. into
0: you know, the last couple of days, we had an extra man because we signed Shane Larkin to that deal yeah. uh, out of Europe. Now getting rid of all those assets, Vizic, IT, and Crowder, we now have uh, a spot on the roster. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go. I wouldn't be surprised if we go for someone like Andrew Bogut, because (laughs) this was a guy that I thought we were going to go for before we signed Aaron Baines. Right. And the fact that he's still unsigned, we only have room for a minimum salary guy, and that's all Bogut wants. He said that he wants to go to a contender, and you've got to say that even though Cleveland is still better than uh, Boston, Boston's still in that contender category, you'd say. Oh, no doubt. Oh, no doubt. He would fit the mold as a guy who can be that room protector for us, especially now that the out. He wasn't really going to be that much of a rim protector for us this year anyway. He was going to get a lot of our rebounds but he wasn't going to be the focal point of the offense or the defense. Yep. But I think Boger can come in and play that role which means that the Celtics will then have three Melbourne ball players. We'll have Bane and <laughs> Murray I think and Andrew Berger, which would be fantastic. That would be the new big three.
1: Hey, it will be absolutely massive for Australian basketball. Mm-hmm. It's flying at the moment. And, hey, we've seen how helpful those roster spots can be mid-year when the waiver wire comes into play and, you know, late in the year when you want to get someone quick of a month or two to go to cover potentially an injury or something of the like heading into the playoffs. So you can even hold that and wait until later down the track. Hey, Chris, Christos, before we head off, I do want to just touch back on Isaiah Thomas quickly. I just wanted to play you this short this short audio clip. And this is Kennedy Jet smith speaking on NBA TV um, on game time after the trade. He had a bit of an interesting take on his thought on the trade and on Isaiah Thomas. I just wanted to quickly I'll play the audio clip and then quickly get your thoughts afterwards. It's everything I love and everything I hate about the NBA, the trade. Everything I love and everything I hate. I love the fact that, you know, teams are making moves. Guys are changing places. But I hate the fact that you would trade a guy who played two days after his sister died for you. Like, to me, that's just epic. I, I just can't understand. And, and things, that's what I hate about the league. And you talk about guys not having loyalty and things of that nature. I love Danny Ainge. I love the Celtics and what they've done. But I, I, there's no way I just, I, I, could, I could fathom that part so you could pull the trigger. That's what I hate about the NBA. So, a bit of an opinion out of left field, no doubt. Chris, I mean, just I want to quickly get your thoughts on that one, real quick, before we head off.
0: Yeah, I agree. I said it at the start um, of the interview. I don't like the fact that we're getting rid of this guy who really does bleed green, especially yep. if you follow him on Twitter or Instagram. You see how much he cares for the club and how much he's willing to talk to these free agents to get him over the line. And he just he he just loved being in Boston. So the fact that he's now gone, I understand it from a like Danny Ainge's perspective. Yep. If you have a chance of getting someone like Kyrie Irving in, who obviously projects to be a better long-term player than um, Isaiah Thomas from now, you kind of have to do it. But I agree with Kenny. It's 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 hard to see someone like this leave the side when he's given the Celtics, really every single thing that he's got. So he's, this is a guy who's had the best offensive season in Celtics history. Yeah. He had two phenomenal seasons for us. Probably our best player since the big three era. And we've hardly paid him. In the, in the end, he was with us for, what, three years?
3: Yep, and he was years. on
0: a, a, a very team-friendly contract for all three years. He's going to go down as one of the, the most underpaid Celtics of all time.
1: And one of the best performing Celtics, not of all time, but of the modern era, at least. I mean, ever since your your 08 championship days, no doubt about it. Uh, Mikey, you well, wanted to quickly what, add something?
2: Well, I just wanted to, I think you touched on it when we first opened the podcast, uh, Chris. Um, That was probably one of the main reasons why you, you did probably want to get rid of IT because you probably didn't want to offer him that max contract that he wanted. I mean, you did touch on it, so... Yeah, it, it's a sad situation. One, he, played, one, he played his... One
0: thing trading away a guy and then another thing letting him leave in free agency. I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have, in, in a vacuum, getting rid of him for Kyrie is a good thing for the yeah. Celtics. Yeah. But from a um, loyalty perspective, it's a lot better making someone leave through free agency because you don't want to pay them to trading them away.
1: Right. Yeah, and you know, I definitely know what you're saying. And it, it comes back to the emotional element as well. It's mm-hmm. like me, from a Cleveland perspective, I love the return on the deal, like mm-hmm. we mentioned with Chris earlier, more chatting about the Cavs. But from the emotional side of it and the fan side of it, you know, this is the guy that, in the end of the day, he hit the shot that won Cleveland mm-hmm. their first championship in 50-odd years. Yeah. The first can one I, in Cavs.
0: Can I ask you, before we leave, can I ask you one question? Yes. If we heard about this trade. If if this trade came to fruition before the rumors about Kyrie Irving really, really, really just wanted to get out of Cleveland, before we heard any of that, if out of the blue, say the day after the draft, Mm -hmm. we heard that this trade went down, would you be happy with it? Because you said you were happy with it, and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that you probably had relatively low expectations compared to what Kyrie might be worth because of the fact that he just wanted to get out of there, and he had teams listed on on uh, a list that he, uh, of teams he wanted to go to. So if you saw this straight after the draft, before any of that news came out, would you still have thought this was a great trade? Would you have still been happy with it?
1: Yes, yeah, so are you saying if I saw it before he put in his trade request?
0: Yeah, you, you've had time to kind of yeah. uh, digest the fact that Kyrie wanted to leave and yep, that, that yep, yep. there was no future with him in Cleveland. So you are already resigned to that fact. If that wasn't part of the equation, if all of a sudden out of the blue this trade, came to fruition, what would your thoughts have been? Would you still have been happy with
1: it? Uh No. No, I wouldn't have because I. that's how highly I, I rate Kyrie Irving. I reckon he's an absolute star. He's got future MVP potential. It would have been the furthest thing in my brain to even consider him being traded. I mean, like you said, and... You, he you, could you, be the face of a franchise. Yeah, and you basically hit the nail on the head, Christos, because... Um, it, it happened, and he did request the trade, and we saw the teams that were interested, and we saw what and Chris De Silva mentioned this earlier. We saw what uh, the return on was for Jimmy Butler and poor George. A lot of superstars weren't getting a lot back in return for their previous clubs, so the expectations were lowered. So, um, but but I know what you mean. If if this happened the day after the finals, for example, and this surfaced, this possibility. I would have said, like, you've got to be joking. There's no way that's happening. Why would we trade him? He's 25, entering his prime. He's going to be an absolute gun. So... No, I wouldn't have been happy. But
0: uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. I just wanted a little <laughs> bit of pain on, on, on your behalf. I wanted to see that there was a little bit of uh, indecision from you. So I like that answer.
1: <laughs> well, we'll end it on we'll end on a note of indecisiveness. Then we'll end it on that note. Um, we'll let you get back to doing whatever. Oh, this actually actually can
2: I can I say something before before we let uh, Chris go? Uh, there was a, a tweet that uh, LeBron sent out. Of this kid, and no. they had Kyrie Irving's jersey on the ground, and it looked like he was about to light it on fire. But he puts a oh, note, it. and he that goes, "I love, I love you. We miss you, whatever." And then LeBron, I think, tweeted something like, "This is how yeah. we should. Yeah. Um, this is how we should yeah, send we off one, one of our greats so and go." Like I think it said, "Thank you so much." The, the, the note, yeah, yeah from love then, hard. This is how we should. Uh, thank you, you. You're a great young goat, or whatever that means um so that was nice but i think i can't wait to see when Kyrie finally does say something in the public about his trade requests and we find out the truth but i bet you he he can't wait to go at him
1: oh it's gonna be fun opening night there's no (laughs) doubt hey chris before we let you go reaction in the states have you seen anything that that surprised you is it the talk of the town i know it's only early morning so probably the morning radio talk shows and the newspapers and whatnot haven't surfaced as of yet but the late night well how was the reaction
0: I was just pretty much on Twitter. I consumed right. all of my yeah. uh, post-trade analysis through Twitter. I was staying at my girlfriend's last night, and so there was no uh, cable TV or anything like that that I could watch. So all the information that I got was pretty much through Twitter. I was walking from. Yeah my apartment to her apartment, my head down the entire time. Probably almost got hit by about four different cars because I didn't look up even once. But that's, that's all part of the fun.
1: That's it, mate. All right, well, we'll let you go, Chris. We thank you for jumping on the line from the other side of the world and we'll be sure to, to touch base with you in our in our season preview podcasts. and as soon as we get right stuck into the NBA season, which has just increased massively in terms of intrigue. Christos at Christos Tyler. On Twitter, I should mention before we go, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you, boys. Go Celtics.